Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Last week, we left off in verse 30. Now, remember, this is, this is really, this is trippy. Why? Because Laban, Uncle Laban, family, caught Jacob in the mountains of Gilead. I mean, and, and so he caught him out there, right? And, and so Laban comes in, and he's just like, dude, why did you leave? And he reprimands him, right? He says, why did you leave without saying goodbye? And uh, remember, he told a couple of untruths, and you cannot write down in your Bible. They're actually lies. He, just, he lied. I mean, that's, that's what they were, right? And you go, well, like, what were they? Well, according to Genesis 31, 26, going back for just a moment, uh, Laban catches up to Jacob, right? Jacob had a three-day head start, but Jacob had the caravan, he had the flocks, God had blessed him, and Jacob in hot pursuit, man, he just got on, he said, let's go, let's go, and here's what he ended up, right, he said, and he caught him in the mountains of Gilead, he says, what have you done, he says, why have you stolen away unknown to me, and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword, what, Jacob, are you serious, Laban? Well, here's the first untruth, guys. Laban is hot, and he's making stuff up. What do you mean deceiving me? What do you mean I went out to shear the sheep, and you took off without saying goodbye? I didn't get to kiss anyone. I didn't get to kiss my grandbabies. And not only that, you dragged my daughters away like a prisoner of war. Well, we know that Jacob didn't do that. Jacob called his wives in from the field, and he's like, hey, listen, here's what's going on. Here's here's what's happening. Here's what dad's doing. I got to go. Are you with me? And they're like, we'll go with you. That's the untruth. And then he says this. The second untruth is found in verse 77. He says, why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs and a timbrel and a harp. We would have had a party. We had a, listen, we weren't even going to karaoke this thing. We were going to have a real life band. I'm telling you, that's how much I love you. Why didn't you tell me? Right? We were going to have, this is going to be good. But we know that's not Jacob's character. Why didn't you tell me you wanted to leave? I would have given you a farewell feast. Well, we know, again, that's not, that's not who he is. Okay? We know the untruths. We know the lies match up with, with Laban's character. Why? Because we know that he's a deceiver. We know that he's a liar. But let me just say this. Before we start admonishing Laban and start judging Laban, here's who he is. He's an unregenerate man who needs Jesus desperately. That's who he is. He's just an unregenerate man. And the people we meet every day who are liars and deceivers and manipulators, they need Jesus. They need Jesus, and we can see them in that light. But here's what we need to remember, guys, as moving forward. Here's what we need to remember in 2020. We must remember that people need Jesus. The true gospel of Jesus, listen to me, it changes lives. The true gospel of Jesus, it changes thinking. You need to grasp that. The gospel changes how you think, how you whack, how you behave. It changed your life. Think about your life for just a moment. Think about how different it is. When you came to know Jesus, when you fully understood the gospel, it changes everything. And that's what it does, guys. It changes lives. It changes thinking. It heals our broken hearts. It heals our broken hearts. And it forgives. That's what the gospel does. 
Laban is a man who was just like us. He needed Jesus. Next time you get into a scuffle or a jam with people, man, just remember who they are and what they need. Pray, and man, show the love of Christ. That's who Laban is. Now, back to our story. Laban's hot, man. He's really upset, right? Now, he, he follows him. He chases him. Hot pursuit gets him, right? And I'm thinking about this now. Remember, Laban probably, he wasn't concerned uh, he probably wasn't, he, he was probably more concerned, let me say it this way, with his household idols than he was about anything else. If you recall, Rachel takes them and she hides them away. Now, I'm pretty sure he was upset with Jacob, his number one man, his number one worker leaving. He was probably upset about that, right? Okay, whoa, whoa, production's going to st- slow down. This dude, God has found favor in him. And because God blesses Jacob, he's blessing me. Amen. We want to keep that guy around. So he's probably upset about that. He's probably upset that his daughter left and his grandbabies. And he's like, man, I need to see them. I, I, I want to say goodbye to them. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm upset about that. How, how come? But let me just say this to you guys. Laban right here probably is walking in the flesh more concerned with what was stolen from him than the real issue at hand. You go, what was the real issue? The real issue is, we know this, is that, is that listen, Jacob was a deceiver and he was being deceived, was he not? He's upset, man. He's upset that the con artist is being conned. And that doesn't sit well with him. He's upset, man. You left. You didn't tell me. Now, see, we know this because the language that was used was Laban was so furious that he intended to kill Jacob. I mean, he wasn't just upset that, man, listen, hey, you know, you took my babies, you took my daughters away. Man, listen, he was, he was so upset. He says, man, if I catch up to him and I'm going to kill him, but then we know that God intervenes, doesn't it? God shows up and just, I mean, aren't you glad that God shows up in our lives when we just need him? Aren't you so glad that God, man, just heads us off at the pass? I mean, God shows up and says, don't you, you don't even talk bad about him. Don't even talk bad, bad or good. Don't leave my boy alone. My boy alone. So Ben, 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 what, what was, what was Laban's rap, man? What's he, what's he so hot about? Well, notice verse thirty. This is what he's upset about. He says, "Now, you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods?" Why did you steal my gods? Now, he's saying this. I understand you want to go home. I get it. 20 years is a long time. He says, but why did you steal my gods? And when I say gods, it's the little G gods, right? And man, this is just a sad verse. Because he was so steamed. He was so hot. He was in hot pursuit, right? He was so hot, but he was like, why did you take my gods? And and and. The little gods were supposed to protect Laban. These are gods that were supposed to speak to Laban. These are, these are little, they were not supposed to be stolen. Nobody can just take them. But we can take them. Why? Because they were gods. They, they, they have no voice. They're, they're just, they're, they're, they're little gods. And this is just a sad, sad verse. As a matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalm 115, verses 4 and 6 says, The idols of silver or gold, they're the work of men's hands. 
They have mouths that they do not speak. They have eyes that they do not see. They have ears that they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. Basically, they're, they're just gods. They're just, they're just, they're just little terafims, just little statues. They have no power. So here's the point that we took home last week. Here's what we learned. People can steal our goods, but they can't steal our God. Unless your goods become your God. And we have to be so careful. Because the line, guys, the line, the line for us believers is, I mean, we have to be careful because we, we, we're, we're blessed with goods. Amen? We're, 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 we are, we're blessed. We're blessed, but, but we've got to be careful that we never make them God. Romans actually says this. Don't reverse the creative order. Don't worship creation rather than the creator. Don't reverse the creative order. He says that's what happens when we start to, oh, and we start to worship our goods. We start to worship people. We start to worship, and, and a lot of these things are good things, aren't they? A relationship is a good thing, but people make terrible gods. People make terrible gods. And so we have to be careful that we don't worship. Okay? Here's the thing. People can come in and they can take your TV. They can take your couch. They can take your jewelry. They can take whatever they want to take, but they can never steal your God. And remember, it's your God who brings you peace, not your goods. Because we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Man, we want, oh, if I could just, man, you know, you get something brand new and it's like, yes, this is amazing. This is so cool. I love it. This is, it's brand new. You smell it? It's brand new. It's brand brand new. And then what happens is that, man, wait around six months and what happens? A year and it's not brand new anymore. And you go, man, I want the latest model. I'm not happy anymore. Guys, that's how we are. But when we have God, then our goods doesn't bring peace, do they? It's God who brings the peace. And, and, and that's what we learned. And we learned that, guys. Well, as we come to our text tonight, guys, here's what I want you to write down. Jacob's going to give a reply, but then he's going to give a response. Okay? Jacob is going to reply, but then he's going to come back with a response. Okay? Notice his reply is found in verse 31. So what, what was, where did we leave it off? We left it off with Laban going, you stole my gods. Why did you steal my gods? Why did you steal my little teraphims? These are, these are what I believe in. These are what speak to me or what I believe speaks to me. And, and, and Okay, okay. So here's what Jacob says. Jacob says in verse 31, Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. Now he's answering the first question. Why did you leave? Why did you go with, why did you leave without saying goodbye? Why did you steal off? Why did you take three days? Why did you deceive me? And Jacob's like, listen, here's, here's the bottom line, man. Here's my, I was super scared, okay, that you would not let me go. Not only that, you would kill me and take your, your daughters by force. Jacob was really, really afraid. But if you have a pencil handy, here's what I want to encourage you with. Fear is an awful taskmaster. You need to jot that down, man. Why? Because fear will keep you from fulfilling all the potential God has for you. Fear does that. You guys remember the Beatles, right? John Lennon. John Lennon once wrote this, and I quote, There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. 
When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. And I thought, isn't that true? Isn't that true? When we're afraid, we pull back. Can, can I get an amen? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, we, when we're fearful, man, we pull back from life. We, we sort of surround ourselves. We Listen to this quote. Uh, this quote is from Unknown, but he says, he says this, quote, Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of dreams because every second of the search is a second encounter with God and eternity, end quote. I was like, man, those are so good. Why? Because fear wants to paralyze us, guys. Fear wants to keep you from everything that God has for you. Okay, and we see it in Scripture. Why did you? Why did you run off, man? Because listen, I know that God was with me. I, I get it, man. I, man, I had this great encounter in Bethel, right, God, and I saw the ladder, and this is so cool, man. But, but I still, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really just, I, I, I wasn't all in, and and I've worked for twenty years. I mean, I know God was there. I know He's with me. I know He blessed me. But see, I just, I don't know. And and it was time to go home. I know He told me to go home, but I was still afraid. And, and here's what I would encourage you guys. Man, let's reverse that in our lives. You go, what do you mean? What do you mean? Instead of, instead of just kind of walking with God and having him on the outer banks of our lives where we hear him occasionally through a song or through, or, or, or through a meme or through, or, or through social media or whatever it might be, I want to reverse that. I want to walk so close with God that, man, that, that listen, we're not afraid anymore. We're not afraid God has big plans for you. You go, amen. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Our biggest, guys, our, our, our biggest fear is what? It's the fear of failure. I'm about to try. God, God wants me to try something, man. I'm going to try. I'm going to say, oh, what if I fail? Seriously? Because, guys, failure is what produces more success when you really think about it. Failure is what you learn from, and you go, oh, okay, now I know what to do, and we can move forward. The problem is, is that everybody looks at us and go, hey, you failed, man. You blew it, man. You blew it. Yeah, it's horrible. And you know what we need to do? We need to go, yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? But I've learned so much. And, and you know, they say this, that more people learn from your failures than your actual successes. You guys know that. Man, you, you, you know. Man, some of you like, man, you like Kentucky Fried Chicken, man. You just, man, man, I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, you could, but you realize that Colonel Sanders, man, failed before he actually got a first yes. He got so many. I, I got a great chicken recipe. You want to try it, sister? Nope. Huh? And he went, and he went, and he went, and he went, and he went. And finally, somebody said yes. And because somebody said yes, and he didn't give up, that's why you have KFC today. Okay? There you go. Thank God. Fred Smith, Fred Smith, founder of um, um, FedEx. Millions of packages go through FedEx today. You don't even know about it, but you realize that when he first started out, that basically he was like, man, he mailed the package to himself and it just got all over the place. And he said, oh, okay, so here's what we've learned. We've learned that we can mail one successful package. Now, how are we going to enhance the numbers? It wasn't a failure that he only got one out. He just knew. What's my point? Here's my point, guys. Don't let fear holds you hostage to all that God has you has for you. Don't let fear. This is, that's what Jacob's doing. Well, we know he's afraid, right? 
but something happens to him. He says, listen, I'm afraid. But then he gets very bold. He gets angry and bold. Have you ever done that? Have you ever finally got to the place where you bow up and you're like, okay, okay? Because his response is different than his reply. Notice verse 32. He says, with whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Okay, he's got really, he's really, really upset now, okay? Why'd you leave? I was afraid. Why'd you steal my gods? Whoa, 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 time out. And he's, and he's upset and he's going, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. With whomever you find these little teraphims, these little gods, kill him. Kill him. Okay, you guys see that? He says, in the, brethren's of our, in, the, in the presence of our brethren, identify what I have is yours and take with you. And here's the thing. And then and the writer says, hey, for Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Now, tonight, guys, we're going to see Jacob's response. And if you're taking note, it ties into what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 10, very beautifully. Okay, 32 and 10 kind of go hand in hand. How so? Well, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and Jesus is speaking. He says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. This is what Jesus said, okay? If you are not with me, you're against me. That's what Jesus said. Okay, and I'm just like, wow, now I got to break this down, right? So we can understand how this ties into verse 32, okay? As Laban comes in screaming. Jesus is speaking and he declares, anyone who isn't with me is against me. It's pretty clear, right? In other words, he says, listen to me, church, you can't straddle the fence. Either you are a friend of Christ helping win souls to him or you are his enemy driving people away from God. In other words, he's saying there is no middle road. You cannot go un committed. No decision is a decision. Okay, that's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, we need to commit to follow God and to serve him. Anything, anything less than that, Jesus says, anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And you're going, wow, That's trippy. How does that tie in in verse 32? We'll go back to verse 32 of the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 31. Notice what Jacob says. He says, from whoever you find gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have, take it with you. And Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen. Here's what he's saying. Here's what Jacob's saying. You ready? You can jot this down. He says, I may not be serving the one true God, but I'm not serving the foreign gods either. Catch that. Catch that. He's saying, I'm not serving the one true God. He says, but I'm not serving your for you. In other words, you come in, listen, I'm not, I'm not serving God, but whoever you find these little gods with, you can kill him. You guys catch that, right? So what he's saying, he's saying, man, Jacob right here, guys, listen, listen, here's, here's the lesson, lesson. Jacob isn't committed to the one true God yet, and he's not serving. But Jesus said, no, no, either you're with me or you're against me. And you go, well, what's the lesson? You ready? Jot this down. Tonight, we must make a commitment to Jesus. Bottom line, 
We can't be like Jacob saying, I really don't serve God. Um, I really don't serve God with all my heart, but I really don't worship little gods. Okay? Let me give you a more modern translation. You've probably heard this. It says this. You know, you've heard it said, I'm a good person. How many of you are, you know, you're telling, you go out and you tell people about Jesus and you say, hey man, I need to, just need to share with you a little bit. I'm a good person. Here's what I've gotten in my life, okay? Here's what I've gotten. I'm a good person. I may not go to church all the time or be religious like you. And here, and here it is. But I don't lie. I don't steal. I haven't killed anybody. Anybody know, anybody have that conversation with people? I mean, right away, there's, they start listing off the big ones, man. I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't chew, I don't go with girls who do. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm okay. I'm okay. But, but again, guys, but, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, you're saying that you're basically good, although you're not serving the one true God. But Jesus said, man, if you're not with me, you're actually against me. And that's hard to take. Because we can go back to a day when we weren't following Jesus and we go, oh, I didn't realize that I was against him. I thought I was neutral. Well, that's what Jacob is saying. And I would say purpose tonight, your declaration and commitment to the Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm following you. I'm following you. But but think about Jacob's promise, guys. Think about Jacob's promise. Notice what he just said. I mean, this is rash, right? He says, from whoever you find their gods, let this person die. That's harsh. I mean, look, you understand what he's saying. I mean, Laban comes in all furious. Why did you steal my gods? And Jacob's like, look, they're not here. And if you find them, you can kill them. I mean... Surely he didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. He didn't know that, did he? He would have, he would have been a little bit different. He'd have been like, "Oh, um, whew. go talk to your daughter. I don't know, man. I don't know what she's doing." If he, you realize this text, man, things could have went really bad for them. I mean, it could have gotten way out of control, couldn't it? Here's our life lesson number two. You ready? Life lesson number two. Be careful, church, with rash promises. Be careful with rash promises. He's hot. A lot of times, guys, we say things in anger that we really don't mean. And and Jacob made a promise, but he didn't have all the information. And I'm saying, here's our lesson. Pray through everything. Pray through everything. Even in anger, listen to me, take a moment to step back and sleep on it and come back refreshed. That is hard to do because promises can end bad for people. You go, what do you mean? Let me tell you, let me tell you this story. There's a story in the Bible that just really trips me out. It's in the book of Judges. Jephthah. And it tells me in verse uh, chapter 11, verse 29, if you're taking note, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through, guess where? Gilead, and Manasseh passed through Mitzpah of Gilead. That's where Jacob is, okay? So this is later on. You go, what happens? 
He went from Mitzpah of Gilead, which means witness. He advanced towards the people of Amnon, and Jephthah made a vow. Listen to this. Listen. He made a vow to the Lord, and he says, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. That's a crazy promise. Lord, if you help me win, when I go home, what, who, who is expecting to come out? You know? Well, I'm going to let you on a little secret. My wife always comes out the door, so. Was he expecting his wife to come out the door? I mean, seriously. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 34, when Jephthah came to his house at Mitzpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with trembles and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. (sighs) Jephthah made a promise to the Lord, Lord, if you help me win, I will vow whatever comes out of that door, I'll offer as a burnt offering. And his baby girl comes out, Hi, Daddy, I missed you. I'm so glad you're home. Boom. Boom. What do, you, what, what do you do, church? What do you do? You you made a vow to the Lord, man, and the Bible says, man, don't make a vow. If you do, you got to keep it. You go, Pastor, what's the point? The point is, is Jephthah, dude, what did you do? And so here's our admonition, guys. We need to be careful what we say in promise. Be careful, specifically with our kids. When you tell them, are you going to be there? I promise you better be there. You better be there. But be careful with promises, guys. Pray through everything. Okay, hold on. Hold on. We, we live in such a world that, um, that we need instant answers. Man, if I ask you a question, boy, you better text me back and tell me your answer. We live in a world that just has, we've we, we got to take a moment to slow down and go, okay, hold on, let me pray through that, man. And sometimes praying through it means a day or two or a week. I mean, you, you pray through it. God, what do you want me to do in this? I don't want to just make a, I don't want to just make a promise that I, I can't keep or, or, or I can't give you. I mean, I just, I just want to pray through it. Back in our text, guys, back in our text, verse 33. So Laban went, what did he do? He went into Jacob's tent, and he went into Leah's tent and into the maid's tents, and he didn't find them. Of course not, right? So then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now, if we were watching a movie, this would be that. This would be the dramatic theme, right? Because we know Rachel has them. We know she stole them. The Bible says she took them. She took them. She's got them. And now there comes dad into her tent, right? And we're like, oh, busted. Can't be trusted. She's, she's going to get caught. She's going to die. She is going to die. Now, Rachel had taken the household idols. What does she do? She put them in a camel's saddle and sat on them. Now, remember, when, when you think of a camel's saddle, you might be thinking leather. It's more of like of a bag, uh, a one that you can just put over a camel, but you can easily fold it up and, and sit on it. So she's not going to be sitting like on, on, I see sister's purse here. It's not like a big purse where she, you know, it's, it's just she's sitting on it. Okay? He comes in, Right? And Laban searched all the tent, but could not find them. And she said to her father, 
Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of woman is with me. And he searched, but he did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Now, as we move forward, there's some amazing truths out of this verse, okay? Now, in your mind, let me, play, let me paint this scene. Laban comes in, man. He searches the camp, right? He's hot. He wants to find those household idols. He doesn't find anything, okay? He goes into Rachel's tent. Rachel is sitting on the idols in a camel's bag, and she doesn't get up, which was the custom. You go, what was the custom? Guys, think about it. The custom was children, regardless of the age, was to stand in the presence of their parents. So as the parents walked in, the children were supposed to stand. That was the custom. It didn't matter how old they were or anything else. This is what, this is what they did. So dad walks in. Rachel says, sit down. She's got to figure out something. She's got to figure out something, right? What is she going to say? Right? Well, she says, um, she says, please, sir, forgive me. If I don't get up, I'm having my monthly period. Now, as a dad, I'm, that's enough for me to go, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't need any more. I'm good. All right. God bless you, sis. Okay. Right? We're all uncomfortable with that. And so I'm sure Laban was too. But the point is, is that, is that you go, what's the point? Well, the point is, is that Laban searched, but he couldn't find the household idols. And then you go, well, Ben, what's, what's the application? What can we learn here? Right? That's what we want to do. What can we learn here? Well, we can learn some amazing truth in verse 35. You go, what's that? I want you to notice, Rachel. Okay, she's the matriarch, man, she's, I mean, she's, she's in the Bible. But right here, Rachel is being deceptive. Did you catch that? Why? First and foremost, she's a thief. And remember, we talked last week that it did not matter whether she perceived or it was the reality. She made a bad choice because we know that taking something that doesn't belong to you is wrong. And so she's a thief. She stole something that didn't belong to her. She's also a liar. She's a liar. She said, man, I, I, I can't get up. I'm, I'm on my period. And she's, she's, she's deceiving her own dad. And the truth that jumped out at me, guys, is listen. I guess you could say that Rachel had a good teacher. She learned a lot from her father. Sin, listen to me, church, sin is so often passed down. The things we do and the things we don't do will make a huge impact on our kids. Think about it. We're sitting here and we're tripping on Rachel because it's like, Rachel, you're, you're married to Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this is, you're in the Bible like, like, like you're, and Rachel, think about this. Think about the impact we make with our kids, whether we do something or we don't do something. Here's what I've learned. Our kids look up to us. They, they, they keep looking and, 
And, and, and, I, and I love this example because you guys know this. As Paul is writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 4, and 5, notice what he says. He says, I long to see you again, for I remember your, your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. And he says this to Timothy. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother's Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he goes, man, I see a legacy from your grandmother and your mother into you. I see your faith. And so the admonition for us, guys, is, is although sin is passed down, so is righteousness. So is goodness. So is mercy and compassion. All the things that you are walking in Christ is going to be passed down to the next generation. Wow, I saw mom. Mom was generous. Listen, if you have the gift of compassion, they're going to see that. If, I, mean, I mean, I can see it in my own house. I can see it. I can see my girls, man. They have hearts the size of Texas, man, when it comes to giving. They, they, they do. They do. And they get that from their mother. And I see it, and righteousness can be passed down, and goodness. It takes a long lesson. It takes a long lesson, guys. It's, I get it, because I look back and I think, man, my poor babies, my Talia, my Miranda, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, and I wish I could go back and I could change this, and I could, and, and, I, and I see this, but I mean, but righteousness is passed down too. And you go, what should I do? Ready? Every one of us should do our best to follow Jesus. Your kids will see your authenticity. Your kids know you're not perfect. They know that you will you will make mistakes. But what is passed down to them is real, authentic righteousness. A love a love you have for God. In verse 36, guys, it says that Jacob was angry and he rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered, notice what he says. He goes, man, what was my trespass? What was my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Now, I want you to see verse 36 because, man, something's going to pop out in there. You go, what's that? It says Jacob was angry. You guys see that? Look at that word angry because it's not that he was just upset that you busted into my camp. Okay, you pursued me for three days. You start looking for your household God. He's, this, here's this word. This word is glowing. He's hot. He's burning. Jacob is not just angry. He is glowing. Hot. Okay? And it says, man, and, he's, and, he, and now, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't feel it. But was he yelling at Laban? Was he like, was he like what's my retrospect? Why are you? I don't, I don't know. But I want to point out something real quick in this verse, because I know we need to finish the chapter, okay? I just want to point out something. And so here's the question I want you to ask. Why is Jacob so mad? Why? Okay. So, so why is Jacob so mad? Why is he so hot? Why is he boiling? Why is he glowing? Why is he burning? Joe Mabry, have you ever been that hot where you're glowing? 
Have you ever been so... Yeah, I, I, I think we all have been that angry. And so we ought to ask, why, why, is, why is Jacob? I'll tell you why. Think about Jacob. 20 years, every grudge that Jacob has been holding for years is coming out right there. Every grudge, yeah. Now remember... He didn't have all the information. Man, he didn't know that Rachel had taken them. I wonder what his tone would have been if, if you know, three days into the journey, baby, sweetie, come here. I've got to share. Let's, look, I took this from dad. He's like, Ugh! right? His, his tone would have been a little bit different, but he doesn't have all the information. But he's, hang, he's, he's, he's angry. He's angry. But in our text, I want you to remember something. Laban comes in like a hothead, doesn't he? Laban comes in with all these untruths, and he said, why did you take my gods? Why did you steal my gods? Right? But remember, Jacob responds like a hothead. Are you guys tracking with me? And you go, well, what's the point? Here it is. You ready? The very thing that bugged Jacob so much about Laban and made him so mad is the very same thing that plagued him. You go, what do you mean? They were exactly alike. They were exactly alike. And Jacob failed to realize that when he looked at Laban and he saw himself. You go, Pastor, really? Here's the point. Ready? More often than not, listen to me, we do the same thing. The very thing that we're bothered by or angered by in someone else could be the very same thing we struggle with in our lives. Man, I really don't like that person. He's just a, he just does this and does this. And sometimes, guys, it could be the very thing we're dealing with. Sometimes we're just, we're just, we, got, we just got to be so careful, right? Now, now, more often than not, more often than not, right, could be those things. And, and, and here's the point. Here's the point I want to make, okay? We need to take time to ask the Lord to show us our blind spots. Okay, Lord, sh- show me. Show me. If there's somebody in your life that man, you just don't get along with, ask the Lord, show me. What, what, what's going on? What's going on? Skip Heitzig, pastor of Calvary Albuquerque, writes, and I quote, This encounter reminds us that we must first look inward and check ourselves, then look upward to God before we accuse others. End quote. I think that's a great, that's a great thing to do, don't you think? And this right here says, man, first of all, let's look inward. Okay, Lord, why, why I feel this way? Is this, is this legit? Is this legit? Is this something I need to be concerned about? And then he says, then look upward, right, before you start saying, and you're a hothead like Jacob. Verse 37. He says, although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it before my brethren and your brethren, that you may judge between bo- us both. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by the beast, I did not bring to you. 
I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Listen to verse 40. There I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Guys, you know what he's doing right here in these verses? He's simply complaining about his job. In his response, he's going, hey, um, listen, I never brought you, how can you, how can... And he says, look, listen, he says, listen, all those that were torn by beasts, it was my responsibility. I never came to you and said, hey, man, this is yours. Sorry, dude, the, the wolf got it. He says, man, I had, to, I had to pay for that. And he says, and you know what? Listen to me. The working conditions were horrible. You go, what do you mean? He says, he says, he says, there I was, and the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. He says, man, you know what? As a shepherd, man, it was tough. It was tough. And then verse 41, he says, thus, I have been in your house 20 years. I've served you 14 years for your two daughters and six for the flock. And you've changed my wages 10 times. He says, now, I want you to catch this, guys. Verse 42, are you with me? Give me an amen. Unless the God of my father... The God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Okay? So, so what Jacob's doing, he's kind of giving us a recap. But here's what I want you to see. Jacob now unleashes all his feelings. He's saying, the working conditions were horrible. You changed my wages. I mean, are you serious? You're supposed to be my father-in-law, blah, blah, blah. I was out there. You know, man, listen, you, you deceived me with Leah. Then I had to work for Rachel, and then I had to work for all these. I mean, this is, this is enough. This is enough. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. He says in verse 42, unless the God of my father the God of Abraham. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you're, you're looking at here. I want you to notice verse, verse 42. Why? Because God has not been personal yet to Jacob. You guys see it? The God of my father. He's not saying, the, my God, my God, my God. He's not there yet. He's not there yet, guys. It's still the God of my father. In chapter 35, Jacob gets real with God. Jacob gets real, but right now it's just, it's still, it's still, it's not personal yet. And, and, and here's what I want to do before we go on. You ready? Listen, our God is a personal God who wants to walk with us every single day. And what he's saying is that, man, we can't walk, we, we, we can't have a relationship and not have him personal. I mean, is there, there's, I mean you, you understand that, right? Relationships, they're personal. They're close. And Jacob's not there yet. He's going to get there, but he's not there yet. But here's the question we've got to ask ourselves, man. How's my relationship with God? Like, like really, do I, do I know him? Do I see him? Do I, man, one of the things that Natalie talked about, man, it just blew my mind, but this, she said, man, when, 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 when she was diagnosed with cancer and she was going through the chemo, she said that she felt God's breath on her. 
And she prayed that last night for John. And I want to feel God's breath. That's how personal God. Oh, you're right here with me. You're right with me. Been thinking a lot about guys. You know, you know the the church at Ephesus, man. There in, in, in Revelation, man. That they they left their first love. They were so in love with Jesus, and somehow they got busy doing ministry, and they got busy doing working, and they got busy doing man, having a great ministry, and, and 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 but they but but they left their first love. And I've been thinking a lot about that because I think a lot of believers were getting to the place where the where where man, we might be leaving our first love. Our Jesus, we might we might have left him. Make sure your God is personal. Make sure make sure you have a, an amazing. God has put in my heart to do a teaching. And I don't know how it's going to develop, but it's called, um, it's going to be the hashtag, you know, hashtag speaking, not speaking. You know how we'd say sorry, not sorry. But there are many times in our lives when we want God to speak to us. And he has, but we feel like he's not. Like God is speaking. He's constantly in. And, and I think there's a lot of people that are going, God, God, you're, he's not even speaking to me. And he's going, no, he's been speaking. We've just missed it. We just missed it. food for thought, what do you think got in Jacob's way from a real relationship with God? What do you think kept him from walking close like like Father Abraham? My father Abraham walked with God. He was right there. You know, you, you, right? The whole Sodom and Gomorrah. There's, there's the Lord. He comes to the tent. And, 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 and Isaac, man, out in the field, meditating, and just, what is it, Jacob? What is it? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but I wonder, what are some things that keeps me from walking closer to God? Verse 43, and Laban answered and said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. Really, Laban? But what can I do this day to these, my daughters, or to the children whom they have borne? Right? So he's going, okay, what do you want to do? So in verses 44 to 55, and we'll make, real, we'll make that really quick, guys. They're going to make a mutual aggressive pact. It's called a mitzvah, okay? So we'll read it, and then we'll, we'll get ready to close here after we read this. Verse 44. Now, therefore, he says, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and I will let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone, and he set up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his brethren, go, gather stones. And they took stones and they made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jigard Shadhadutha. And Jacob called it Galid. Okay. Then Laban said, the heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, the name will, is called Galid. Also, Mitzpah. Because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. Well, what are the conditions? If I, if you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is a witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here's the heap. 
Here is the pillar which I have placed between you and me. The heap is a witness. This is a pillar of witness, and I will not pass beyond the heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap or and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their fathers, judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat, and they ate bread and stayed night on the mountains and early in the morning Laban arose kissed his sons and daughters blessed them and Laban departed and returned to his place now a lot of information guys we're going to close we're going to close right here okay let me make sure the time yeah we're going to close right here but this pact this covenant guys is known as the mitzpah you guys ever hear the mitzpah the mitzpah Okay, this was popular in the 80s. Okay, I don't know if it still is today, but the mitzpah, it used to be where, right, you had a chain and it was a little, um, it was a little charm that had half a heart that was broken and you gave one to your girl and you carried one and, and basically you're saying, oh baby, may, well we're apart, may the Lord watch over you. Oh. Right, and they actually named it mitzpah, and it was really popular, man. Yeah, all these—I mean, it was a, the coolest thing to do. The problem is, is that that's not biblical, because Jacob is going, okay, here's this mitzpah, which means witness. And God, listen, if you treat my girls or you find out God's going to watch, I can't be there. But here's the deal: you can't go past these rocks, and 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 you can't ever come back to Padanaram, and we can't go to Canaan. This is the line. Got it? This is the witness of stones. Now we took it and we made it something, and 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 it's very, it's just very interesting. But I think it's a great principle, don't you think? You go why? Because I think that we should continue to ask God to watch over our brethren. God, I can't, I can't watch them watch over her. We do that. We do that with our kids. We do that with people. Hey, man. Like, say, Joshua's going to go back to California in a couple of weeks. Man, watch over him. Take care of him. I mean, it's a great blessing. That's, that's the mitna. Be a good witness. But I don't know if you caught the second thing. You go, what's that? What book are we in? Genesis, right? Some of you are afraid to say, we're in the book of Genesis. Exodus hasn't happened yet, has it? The whole 400 years of, of, of being in Egypt hasn't happened yet. We're, we're, we're still getting there. But do you see the setup? You go, the setup? What do you mean? This is a setup from Exodus. And you go, how so? Think about it. I want you to think about this. Jacob has his caravan, but he's heading towards Esau. That's not good. The Bible's going to say next week that Esau's coming with 400 of his men to meet Jacob. That would scare the bejeebies out of me. Okay? You go, well, how does that tie in? Well, that's a lot like the Red Sea, isn't it? The, 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 the children of Israel come up to the Red Sea. Man, they can't go forward, man. They're scared. If we go in that water, we'll drown. Well, what else? Well, they can't go back. Right? Laban comes up and he says, Mm-mm. You can't go back because we just made this mitzvah. We made this agreement. We had a meal. It's covered. It's covenant. It's done. 
you can't come back. Just like the pursuing Egyptians, wasn't, wasn't Laban pursuing them? In hot pursuit? And so here they are. Here's Jacob's family. I can't go forward. Esau's going to kill me. I can't go back. Laban's going to kill me. And yet God says this, right? What does he say? Stand and watch the glory of the Lord. But you'll have to come back next week to see how that all plays out in chapter 32. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that we've learned so much. We've learned so much, Lord. We've learned to, God, to pray, to be careful with our promises, Lord. To pray through everything, Lord, to ask you to seek you before we say anything. And Father, I love that, I love the phrase that my dad used to always tell me. I would ask him, God, I would say, Dad, are we going here, such and such? And he said, if the Lord wills, we will. And I think, whoa. Father, help us to make a commitment to you tonight. To honor you, to serve you, God. We're all we're for you. We're not against you. So many truths, God. Search our heart, Lord. Rid of rid us of those things that are not pleasing to you. As we confess them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.